Jingophilia. Hello, fellow Anglophiles, and welcome to another thrilling installment of Anglophilia. I'm Stephanie Callis. <laughs> Are you sure? Because you sound like you could be Terry Jones. Oh, oh dear! Oh, I'm, I'm Stephanie Callis! <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm Kaylee McMahon, and uh, today we're going to be discussing... Gimme, gimme, gimme. A man after midnight. A man after midnight. All right, so diving in. Gimme, gimme, gimme was a sitcom created by Jonathan Harvey. It ran for three seasons from 1999 to 2001. The show centers around two flatmates, the unattractive, uneducated, and deluded Linda LaHughes, played by Kathy Burke, who also served as the show's script editor, and flamboyantly gay wannabe actor Tom Farrell, played by James Dreyfus. It also featured Rosalind Knight as their landlady, Beryl, a former prostitute, and Brian Boville and Beth Goddard as their neighbors, Jez and Suze, an obnoxiously perky interracial couple. The show's cartoonish, over-the-top style and penchant for lowbrow humor and innuendo caused it to be universally panned by critics but beloved by audiences. In fact, it was such a rating success that it moved from BBC Two to BBC One for its third and final series. The gay press was particularly savage in its response to the show, attacking both Jonathan Harvey and James Dreyfus for playing into gay stereotypes. But nevertheless, the show still drew a loyal audience and is remembered today with fond nostalgia. So that's that's that show. Um, had you ever seen any of this before? Never a single second of it in my entire life. That's really funny. See, I remember when this was on BBC America when I was a teenager, and I remember thinking that it was really, really funny, and I hadn't seen it since then, and then I revisited it, and I was like, oh, okay, this is very different than I remember it. But I remember my sister and I would watch it and laugh, and it's, it's, an, it's such a weird show because... Even right now, as I'm recording this episode with you, I still don't really know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. Although I did enjoy season one. I, I do feel yeah. like I thoroughly enjoyed all six episodes of that first season and thought, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, reading about how it was just savaged in the press, it made me feel like a little bit protective of it in a way, but it also... Like, I understand why this was such a critical bomb, and yet I also understand why people liked it. It's like, I don't know which side of the fence I personally come down on, because there are a lot of things about it that I find very entertaining, but the show is also, like, so proudly stupid, you know what I mean? Okay, this was a thought that, that I had, because, you know, as I said, I enjoyed the first season. I can't quite explain to you why the second and third didn't work for me as much, because it was more of the same. Yeah. And if I liked it for six episodes, why did I not like it for, you know, 12 through 18? But I was trying to ask myself, like, why? What went wrong? Are the jokes worse? Like, what the fuck happened? And mm -hmm. this is where we need to send a big freaking apology to Christopher Ryan. Mm. Because I feel like... In seasons two and three, we see less and less of Jez and Sue's, but I just kind of thought you can't have, you can't have it be two people. Like you couldn't have a show with just Vivian and Rick for as wonderful as that might be for couldn't six you? episodes. Well, you know, but you, yeah. you know what I mean? I kind of, and because I was going, well, why does the young ones work? Because they're all clowns as well who never really develop or learn anything. And there's no sentimentality yeah. or rawness whatsoever. And why does that work for me all the time, every time? And I thought, well, because there are four of them and three of them are clowns and one of them is Mike. And the, the formula works and it helps me stay in it rather than going oh god I can't just listen to these two people yell at each other interesting I mean obviously I also definitely thought of the young ones and also absolutely fabulous mm. uh, because I think this show owes a lot to those tonally in terms of the over-the-top very bright and colorful cartoonish world that it inhabits mm -hmm. however I think that for me the key difference is just the writing like the originality and the cleverness of the writing is there in those other shows and I don't think that I don't think that the lack of the straight man is necessarily what causes it to fail when it does fail. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that, like, sometimes I would just be, like, because I, I want to say that I really do enjoy the performances of the two leads. I think that they're both really hysterical. And yeah. even though they're, again, like so many of the characters that we've talked about in other shows on this podcast, they're terrible people, and I would hate them if they were real people, but I love them and feel fiercely protected of them, and I want to see more of them. Mm -hmm. I just really like these actors, and I just kept thinking, like, sometimes there would just be, like, a really obvious, like, you know, innuendo that's just like, oh, like, a 12-year-old could have thought of that. And I just want them to have sort of smarter material, or at least more surprising material, because a lot of stuff on the 
Young Ones was dumb too, but it was like brilliant dumb, you know? It was like dumb and dumber dumb. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you mean. Like, for instance, you know, something that you can also very much say is awesome about this show, but also can get a little bit tiresome is just the complete lack of of subtlety in every possible way. They live in flat number 69. Ooh. Their landlord, who is a former prostitute, says things like, well, if you want advice from a former prostitute, and, you know, <laughs> every single thing that either of them say is either turned into a gay sex joke or a joke about Linda's disgusting fanny or, like, <laughs> some some uncle of hers who, like, might have molested her or how her yeah. mom, you know, this and that or how she was in prison. Like, mm -hmm. every single, every single thing is some kind of stupid sex joke. And um, part of me thinks that that is so wonderful and another part of me by the end was going and we get it you've got a filthy vag and you're gay <laughs> like that was <laughs> kind of what i was thinking by the end <laughs> yeah yeah no there's definitely there's definitely no subtlety here another comparison that i kept thinking of coincidentally while watching this show over the last couple of weeks i've been on a huge extras kick Mm. Extras is one of my all-time favorite shows, and fear not, listeners, we will at some point cover it on this podcast. But for anybody who hasn't seen it, that was Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's follow-up series after their smash hit, The Office. In it, Ricky plays an extra, but who's really an actor and a writer. And then in season two, he finally gets his sitcom made, and you can tell that it's supposed to be sort of like The Office. But uh, the network interferes, and they make it like really broad and lowest common denominator. And so that whole season is him struggling with his fame and with the shame that he has for doing something that he personally doesn't really respect or stand behind and the whole thing is that he's like oh it's a broad campy comedy that relies on catchphrases and a wig and funny glasses and like while watching that I'm also watching <laughs> Kathy Burke as Linda Lee Hughes but I'm like but but when she puts on the wig and funny glasses I can like kind of get behind it I think mm -hmm. that it works somehow like yeah. I don't I'm not mad at it in the same way that I would be mad at the show within the show when the whistle blows if it were a real show okay it's no, not painful I I hear all that. You, you know what I thought of while I was watching the show? It, 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 hit, it hit me like in season two. I kind of realized I'm like, whoa. So this is like in a strange post-apocalyptic world where there is a spinoff of girls with just Hannah and Elijah living together and screaming at each other <laughs> and occasionally maybe making out. fucking good Stephanie oh my god because I was trying to think of American equivalents and I was like the thing the only thing that's coming to mind is like on paper Will and Grace because there's like a redheaded straight woman and a gay man but like Will and Grace is like this show's you know boring rich cousin but that's so good oh my god the girls spin off that's so funny with just girls Elijah. girls girls well, well because I I also feel like you know another one of the main sources of inspiration for the jokes that were written is just dissing Linda for being ugly like it's yeah. it's all yeah so it's filthy badge gay jokes Linda's fat and ugly and yeah. you know after a certain amount of that you're kind of going okay I mean I I, I get it but I mean, it, 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 but, but she does have that Hannah, Hannah Horvath, like sexual confidence to Absolutely. wear lime green latex jumpsuits and stuff, right. which is, which is awesome. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that that's kind of one of the more interesting things about this show and in a more, in a show with more meat, that would be something to be explored. Yeah. I, I think a little bit yeah. more as opposed to she's confident for reasons unknown and everyone calls yeah. her ugly. Well, she's confident. It's interesting. So let, let's talk about the characters because we yeah. haven't really said that much about them. So so no. let's start with Linda. As I said, she's got like very frizzy red hair and big glasses and, and is always wearing things that are maybe too tight or too young for her body type and age, according yes. to society. Right. But she has the confidence. Like she she believes that she is, you know, a, a model-like beauty. And actually in an episode in the final season, she is diagnosed with reverse body dysmorphia where she thinks that she's beautiful while everyone else thinks that she's ugly. <laughs> Just yes. sort of a weird a weird way to explain that away. But when we first meet her in the pilot, she wakes up in her room, which again, it's I really do love the design on this show. Similarly with coupling, that's part of what makes me feel such a fond nostalgia for it is like it looks so perfectly late 90s. And she has the bedroom of a teenager. She wakes up and she kisses all of her posters of the male celebrities that she idolizes. And it's like, I want, I want that room. I think that her wallpaper is like almost identical to the 
comforter that I had in college. Oh, it's awesome. uh, It's just the perfect, like, you know, fantasy teenage girl's bedroom for the late 90s. And and her fashion is, you know, always really outrageous. It's sort of like a watered down Edina Monsoon type thing where it's Mm -hmm. like very loud and very wacky and intentionally not flattering. But like... I don't know. I think she. I think she pulls it off. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give her a hard time if, if we no, were friends. No, no, not at all. Not just because I'm a nice person. You know. In fact, um, I kind of feel like season one, Linda, before it just got a little bit too monotonous and repetitive for me. Mm-hmm. I kind of really liked season one, Linda, for being a woman in her 30s who wakes up and kisses her posters of Liam Gallagher. Because what's up, Rami? Well, of course I see you. you. <laughs> I'm gonna call you later. Oh, I got a Niall Horan stand up that's just out of frame. Exactly. And and she's got a fucking voodoo doll of Liam Gallagher's wife, Patsy, which is great. She's got her morning ritual <laughs> yeah. of kissing all of her Liam Gallagher posters and then stabbing so Patsy. And <laughs> then a couple episodes later, when she is visited by her sister, the pop star named sugar walls talking about lack of subtlety again like she gets to have phone sex with liam gallagher and it was such wonderful like vicarious wish fulfillment for me i'm like fuck yeah i mean maybe it's dirty because he's married and everything but i can't say i wouldn't have phone sex with my celebrity crush it's just a little phone sex like i wish that for you stephanie so yeah so season one linda i mean she like drinks too much and smokes too much but she's still like has a job and she's living in in London and she seems just like a really you know she's comfortable in her own skin and she lives with her best friend who she loves more than anything in the world mm-hmm. and she seems happy and it doesn't seem like a horrible person to to be maybe I can't say yeah. that I can identify with everything that she does behavior wise but right. I kind of thought okay there are there are worse female characters out there this lady this lady's cool. This lady knows what she wants and she's not afraid to to try to get it. And then, yeah, yeah I guess I just kind of felt less and less of that as the series wore on. You know, I was thinking whether or not this, you know, one of the questions that we always ask ourselves is like, could this be made in America? And I, again, I really am tickled by your girls comparison. <laughs> but I was thinking that like, not only is it so over the top and broad, but like, I can't imagine a mainstream sitcom where the only, like the main woman is that unattractive like and that's not saying anything against the actress but like in america that's like fucking not allowed even though the whole joke of her character is that she's unattractive like the world still has to give her all that hate and to be like we recognize that she's no beauty but i just can't imagine like a mainstream network sitcom where a woman is allowed to especially you know to have as much sex as she has and to wear the outfits that she wears like oh yeah even if it's a source of humor people would be like protesting in the streets which is you know just shows the problem that we have with sexism in this country. Oh yeah, completely, completely. I'm I'm with you. And I thought that one of the most interesting Linda moments in in the series was um, you know, so the first thing that happens is that Tom and Linda both wake up and there is a gorgeous black man in his underwear like cleaning their kitchen and they were <laughs> the drunk dream. the night before and they assume that one of them must have slept with him and then they they come to find out no neither of them slept with him it's just the new neighbor Jez who's moving in with his obnoxious wife Suze um but Linda is unashamedly like trying to steal Jez away from his wife and yeah. there's an interesting episode where Tom goes out to the gay disco and Linda stays in and just kind of gets tanked on some wine and learns that Suze is out for the evening and tries to seduce Jez anyway and right. they, they have a really interesting moment actually this might have been um kind of the heaviest they they get with like the the material being a bit elevated is all of the insane like um performative allyship she's saying about being black totally what is that fusion of black and white you can't beat it can you jess well obviously you're married to Suze. Yes, it doesn't mean we sit around all day singing ebony and ivory really oh <laughs> you know who i love lionel richie remember that hello is it me you're looking for remember that I thought a video for that was brilliant. That should have won an Oscar. That poor blind woman feeding his face and then making a model of it. That's talent, that is. I just assumed she was an actress. Really? She was black, wasn't she? I can't really remember, actually. Jeez, this is your heritage we're talking about here. (laughs) Is it? Here, Bob Marley. He was great, wasn't he? No woman, no cry. <laughs> what do you think he meant by that then, eh? Huh? Gosh, Linda, 
You're so knowledgeable about black culture, I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> Tell me, what's your take on Idi Amin? Oh, I love him. <laughs> He's like a second father to me. <laughs> well, I'm a minority group myself, ain't I? Red hair. Of course. <laughs> That's in the history books, after the chapter on the slave trade. Oh. <laughs> you know, I should have been black, really. You know, it's just a fluke of nature that I weren't. Yes, and I'm sure having white parents didn't help either. <laughs> Irish parents, that, I mean, that's practically black in this country, isn't it? But I was watching the exchange and I was kind of going, oh, this is, this is such a departure from something like coupling. Mm -hmm. where we have a scene we didn't really discuss last week, but it's when Jeff is being hit on by his coworker who has a boyfriend while Jeff has a girlfriend, and they just make her this 100% man-eating she-devil who's <laughs> trying to fuck him, and she, she says, whip bad people to him. Um, yeah. and, and I'm like, okay, well, that's one way to portray a woman trying to, you know, have sex with a man who's attached. And then there's Linda who is so down and not even questioning it at all. And yeah. and yet I still I still kind of like her. Here's a question, though. Would you like her if she were more attractive? <gasps> Ooh. Like, if she were as beautiful as she thinks she is, would, she, would there be anything likable or charming about her? I think not. Oh, my goodness. That's a very interesting question. I might be able to, if, if the actress portraying her were still funny, I could certainly still be entertained by her. But if, but if she's just like a totally selfish, totally vain 10, I don't, I don't think that I would be able to get behind. There's like a certain element of pity when someone's self-image doesn't match up with what the rest of the world sees. You feel protective of them. Right. It's the same thing with like, I don't, I don't think that I would like Tom as much if he were a more successful actor, you know? And something that I do love about this fits in with something that I love about so many Britcoms that we've discussed is that these both of these characters are such losers like yeah. their lives are not at all together something that you know th this definitely isn't the case in coupling with the exception of like some of Jeff's insecurities but you know they've all got these amazing apartments and these fabulous jobs and I just hate things about people in their late 20s early 30s who are like oh I'm a successful architect I work for an advertising agency I'm a writer and I write a weekly column and I live in a fucking palace on the Upper East Side you know I just I can't feel any real feelings for that because it's so it's such a departure from certainly our generation's reality right so when you see people who are you know it goes back to what you said about um you know in Red Dwarf how these people are living in this science fiction universe and they're fucking it up so bad like they're all really bad at living in that world same thing with Mark and Jez they have no idea what the hell they're doing I there's something that makes you love people who are just even bigger failures than yourself it's it's like a combination of oh well maybe my own life is not that bad maybe I'm not such a screw-up after all and also oh maybe I can feel a little bit superior to this person but not in a way that you're looking down on them like you still have affection for them that is very, very true. I'm glad that you pointed that out. I'm also glad that you brought up Mark and Jez because I kind of feel like Linda and Tom's dysfunction sort of eclipses Mark and Jeremy's dysfunction in a way. <laughs> it would be really funny if one of them was always trying to fuck the other. <laughs> Maybe if the season, if the show had gone on for one more season, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Jeremy never thinks about it. No, I know. It's like the very last scene. He tries to get a hand job, but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and they and they don't let us have it. They don't I just know. let us have it. But in our um, porn version. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, so oh, what were you gonna say? Oh no no no! Please go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, shall we? Shall we talk about Tom? Yeah yeah no, we totally should. So Tom is you know a very flamboyant gay man, and that's something that drew a lot of hate for the show. But I listened to an interview with James Dreyfus, and he said something about how the idea with Tom was that he is that way because he's an actor, and he's an actor first and a gay man second, and his sexuality is supposed to be completely irrelevant. Now, certainly the text of the show, with how much they bring it up and how much sort of homophobic banter there is between him and Linda, like, they, you know, they have a very acrimonious relationship in terms of the misogynistic and homophobic things that they say to each other, although at the end of the day you can sense that there's a lot of real love there. But I do think that it's interesting that his being stereotypical... Like, he, he's a dramatic person because he's not just an actor, but he's a bad actor. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you can't have such a cartoonish show. Like, if, if Tom were the, you know, straight man, pardon the pun, that would really not work for him to be, like, a boring, 
you you have to have somebody who like considers themselves a thespian but like his day job is dressing up as sushi at the local market you know right right. he he needs to be like flailing all about and being like oh my life is over you know you need somebody to be dramatic that way but it's sort of the burden of representation like if there were more gay characters on tv uh and more types of maybe even if there were more types of gay characters on this show it wouldn't have been such a problem for the gay press but because he's just that one guy he needs to represent an entire class of oppressed people and so i can understand why they got angry at it but also like we all know a tom in our lives let's be real not every gay man is one but like you know think of think of your gay actor friends and probably a name will come to mind it's true for me i mean of course that was that was on my mind because i was thinking oh this is so this is so late 90s you know it's Mm -hmm. funny because he's gay but (laughs) i also kind of think that for me it was more the combination of the stereotypical presentation of a gay man combined with linda's complete homophobia around lesbians yeah that's an odd one because that did border on nasty for me like a woman walks past her in a supermarket and looks at her the wrong way and linda's lesbian yeah. And it's kind of ongoing. Although, wasn't there a, a moment where, like, Linda got accused of being a lesbian and Tom was very supportive and very excited that they were going to become, like, a queer household? Oh, yeah. Well, she she sleeps with a cab driver when she's so drunk or drugged out of her mind that she doesn't realize that she's gone to bed with a woman. And then she spends, like, the whole rest of the episode trying to have sex with a man to, like, undo it and to make her be straight again. But then in the end, she ends up back in bed with the same woman and she goes, No! So many of the episodes end with her just screaming and crossing her eyes and going, no, which is funny, which is is freaking funny. She's a skilled um, comedian. I'm not going to I'm not going to debate that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the other thing about the show is like you can count on some homophobia. You can count on some gay jokes, some fat girl jokes. You can also count on a lot of. I was so drunk, I don't remember if I had sex or not kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a different time we're living in and we're finally awesome. talking about these things. But there are certain things that, you know, with so much uh, public discourse on subjects like these taking place, it makes me always kind of take a step back and go, how the fuck did we ever think this was okay before? Because it never was. Mm-hmm. How oh, the yeah. fuck did, was this, like, totally <laughs> fine? It never yeah. was. Yeah. No, that's, that's certainly true. And that's something that we can ask ourselves about so many things going back decades and decades. Or even just, like, looking around now. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I think what's interesting about the show is that it doesn't really offend me. And, you know, granted, I'm not a lesbian or a gay man, and I'm also not fat, so, like, I'm I'm not the specific target of any of the show's different sins. But, you know, I'm usually pretty sensitive to those kinds of things, but I don't get the sense that any of that is really you know, the voice of the writer. And I don't get the sense that it's endorsing any of that. And it doesn't seem to be done with any sort of malice. Like, because these characters, as I said, are supposed to be so repugnant and so over the top, I kind of do see the don't. It would be so different if this were written by a straight man. If it was just like, look at how crazy women are and look at how, you know, how queeny poofs are. Like that, I could see how that would be like, whoa, whoa, Nelly, let's not go there. But, you know, because it had, you know, gay people involved in the creative process, I think that there's a, you know, there's an element of self-deprecation and like, don't take this so seriously. And also because Kathy Burke was the script editor, like she was responsible for shaping the show's scripts as well. It's, um... You know, in the same way with, like, when Jennifer Saunders fat shames herself on AbFab, like, it's it's not great for, like, all womankind, but it's mm-hmm. also not, like, one person making fun of another person. It's all just kind of, like, don't don't take anything too seriously. Let's all just have a laugh. You know, it's, it's kind of low stakes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I hear you 100%. And I wasn't sitting there folding my arms or crossing oh, my no, arms being like, what what is all this? But I guess it's just more the the uproarious laughter at the thought of, oh, did I fuck someone? I have no idea. Because oh, no, I know. That, <laughs> yeah, because that idea to me would just be such a completely fucked up living nightmare. Oh, no, it absolutely is. And yet, as you said, that is the subject of the show's pilot. And that's honestly one of my favorite episodes. But what's so funny about it is that neither of them did. But they think, oh, well, a handsome man must have been me. Oh, no, he's definitely mine. Like, they search their beds for evidence. Linda starts sniffing her mattress and she says, like, I found her curly hair and it weren't Auburn. Like, they're just (laughs) trying to figure out, you know, no, no, the boy is mine. It's, uh, It's funny, again, because they're such losers and failures and it's not real in that case yeah no I thought that was pretty cute too going back to the thing that you said about how 
you think that the later seasons suffer for lack of a straight man. I just like these two main characters so much more than I like the rest of the cast of characters. I mean, I'm occasionally amused by Beryl, but like, she's not like a laugh out loud presence. I mean, it's also hard, you know, to just laugh out loud and like I watched this whole thing by myself. So I wasn't <laughs> just sitting there being like, ha 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 ha. Oh, Jez and Suze, will you yeah. never stop? having sex um but one of my favorite later episodes is the one that's almost just the two of them where they're backstage at tom's big premiere in this play that that is supposed to star tom cruise as a salmon it's very strange it's like this big arty pretentious japanese directed play and tom has one line the character title is passing person and the line that prompted is, do you have anything to say on the matter? And his line is no. And so he asks Linda to like run his lines with him. And, you know, it's very fun. I, I think that the show works really well when it's just the two of them. And I was almost disappointed when other characters came into that because I think that it would be such a fun and different episode to have if it was really just a two-hander where it's all taking place in real time with the unity of place. Yeah, no, that was a good episode. And I'm not saying that I think the show suffers because there isn't enough Jez and Susan Barrel. It's, it's, <laughs> right. It, it, right. I mean, I kind of like the character of Jez. If I had to pick one out of those three, mm -hmm. what about you? Out of those three, oh, we could do Fuck, Mary Kill with the three of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say that Beryl's probably my favorite because she has the most deadpan delivery. She does. Especially before, I feel like in the later seasons, we see more of her and like, wearing a dominatrix sort of gear but i think that what's funny is when she's like dressed like a prim and proper lady of her age delivering things in this really straightforward fashion but then she'll just say something outrageous and like the juxtaposition of her tone and the content is pretty funny but again yeah. not not like clutching my sides here no <laughs> so steph what were some of your favorite episodes uh, episode three legs and company i love that one yeah yeah that is when tom has broken his leg in the previous episode and he is in a wheelchair and he's being a complete diva and there's like a strange <laughs> subplot where he hires in-home help for the day and the in-home help <laughs> is just some kind of social worker with a lot of depression issues who won't help <laughs> yeah. Tom do anything. And mm -hmm. um, Linda scores a date with a cute mm -hmm. guy who comes over to her house and Linda's all dolled up and ready to seduce him. And she opens up some champagne and, you know, pours some glasses. And the date mentions something about like, oh, it's hot in here. I'm going to take off my jumper. And he takes <laughs> off his jumper and his shirt says like, Jesus saves. And he, he talks about how he doesn't believe in premarital sex. And Linda runs out to Tom and says to him, my worst nightmares back there. He respects me. <laughs> which really really made me happy oh really, no it's really fantastic. made me happy and i do like the episode do they take sugar when sugar walls appears for oh yeah the very first time and she's on the run hiding from the press because you do get to see kind of a different side of linda and you get to see mm -hmm. kathy burke do a little bit more with the character not that she isn't already doing a lot and really making linda lahue's a real fucked up person mm -hmm. but we saw her do you know such the opposite and such a great job of it as magda in abfab and mm -hmm. her little bit parts on french and saunders there's a lot that she can do and mm -hmm. they definitely don't overdo it and they really don't make it you know that touchy-feely but it was kind of cool to see her remain hilarious, strange-looking Linda LaHughes, who also has her feelings hurt by her estranged older sister, who has the yeah. looks and the fame and the money and never paid any attention to her. And they, they mm -hmm. kind of did it just enough. They did it just enough, and it was just enough to show, you know, kind of a little bit more of Kathy Burke's chops i thought yeah it's nice to see a slightly softer side of linda because even though this is a shorter show it's only three seasons like it would be so exhausting if we only ever saw her just yelling at tom for being an omo and like <laughs> saying no and trying to hit on jazz like that's it's good to see a little bit of range because as i said she's a very skilled actress yeah and that that's the episode where she gets to have phone sex with liam gallagher which is the shit but yeah. you know it's oh, also really? It, oh, really? <laughs> but it's also sad because sugar walls like leaves in the night and linda thinks oh, they're yeah. finally gonna have this this sisterhood that they never got oh, to have yeah. before and sugar walls is is hiding from the press because she tried to fuck 
William Gallagher. Mm -hmm. And Linda does not judge her for that at all. In fact, she's like really, she's like, you do not know Liam Gallagher. And then Sugar Walls calls Liam Mm -hmm. on the cordless phone. So Linda's able to, you know, she she wakes up, she discovers that her sister has left her again. And and I love that she gets to triumphantly just hit redial. I'm like, oh yeah, do it, baby. You deserve it. That's a great double victory episode because Tom then gets to shag Sugar Walls' sexy bodyguard at the very end. Yeah, yeah. That's something, again, that I like so much about British comedies is nine times out of ten, you see these characters that you love just fail and fail and fail and fall on their faces again and again. And then, like, occasionally you'll give them a little something. It's a bit of variation that that I quite enjoy. Similarly, I liked the, I liked the episode where Tom turns 30. Me too. Oh god, and his parents come over, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, that's that's a really really fun one. Uh first of all, you know, anybody who has turned 30 or who has 30 maybe coming up on the horizon should be able to identify with this cuz what was the we get a little bit of, you know, uncharacteristic vulnerability from him too because while he is, you know, very dramatic, he usually tries to make himself seem kind of high status, but he says Last night I had a dream that I was the leading man in an ITV series called Vets in Sirencester. <laughs> and I wasn't happy unless I was up to my elbow in a cow's backside. <laughs> I've had dreams like that. When I awoke this morning... You'd had a little spillage. I realised two things. One, that I've hit the big 3-0, and two, that I'm a failure at absolutely everything. Oh, and who among us hasn't felt that way? Oh, like yeah. 90% of the time in some cases. Not name no, and names, that's... but... <laughs> uh, uh, what? I mean, don't look at me. Oh, I'm irrelevant. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But then yeah. his we meet his parents for the first and only time. He's just ashamed of them and thinks that he, they're ashamed of him and he, they, they don't get along. He wants to try to get them to leave because he's like, oh, we're going to stay with you for a while. And so his brilliant idea was to get Linda to seduce his dad. So not only does she, you know, he's thinking, oh, she'll, the the mom will walk in on them in a compromising position, but she instead walks in on them, like, furiously fucking under her comforter, and the mom's completely unfazed, and then it's revealed that the parents are swingers, and that (laughs) is totally fine. They're swingers, and they have booked Tom an evening with a male escort for his birthday, in fact, and they're on their way to a party. Oh, yeah, Linda Linda steals him at the end. It's so fucking funny. It really is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of swingers, Stephanie, would you feel comfortable sharing a certain story from your own past? My mother's ears are burning right now, I can tell. Um, Yes, I'm (laughs) I'm more than comfortable with it, actually. I thought of you immediately. No, you know, it's it's so terrible that I thought of my damn life immediately. I cannot hear the word swingers or see a depiction of them in anything. And um, I'm not triggered when I hear anything about polyamory or open marriage it's only the word fucking swingers and because the- it's so dated and it belongs to a parental generation like polyamory is something millennials do but swingers is that's for boomers swingers is for boomers swingers man is for i boomers. mean john waters the pope of trash himself referred to like the swinger movement as the most disgusting fucking thing to come out of the 20th century <laughs> this man made pink flamingos this man had divine literally eat dog shit on camera and he is oh disgusted by swingers so i feel a bit justified in um what i'm about to talk about but yeah it was my college boyfriend i was 18 years old and I was away at college and I liked a boy and a boy liked me. I turned into Brack right there. I don't know why. And he had opened up to me and and said, like, you know, my parents are swingers and I had never heard the term in my entire life being just some chick from Agora. And <laughs> you never watched the Austin Powers movies? <laughs> well, well, like, yeah, a swinger is, is Austin Powers. <laughs> Austin Powers would be my a swinger. parents are well. Austin Powers. But yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? And, um, um, you know, I, I do have to say he did misrepresent their relationship at first because he had said they have an open marriage. They are allowed to sleep with people outside of the marriage. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, not in my world. But yeah. whatever, what what can I do? No, 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 no. That was that was not these swingers, man. I went to go visit him the summer after freshman year. 
<sighs> because young love and you think that like you need to put that kind of time into things and um i i drove out to uh his parents place to stay with him for like five fucking nights like four or five fucking nights and wow. his his parents were there and over a bottle of Corbel and a bowl of nacho cheese doritos they started talking to me about being swingers and no one had prompted this except themselves and i'm 19 like why are you telling me any of this like i you know we've known each other's parents for years the last thing either of our moms are ever gonna do is like sit us down and be like (laughs) well stephanie today's the day i'm gonna tell you all about how me and pat get it on like it's just (laughs) never Sure, you'd never do that, and I appreciate it. But, <laughs> you know, and and that's a couple that I care about. That's a couple mm-hmm. that I care about, and yeah. you know, but but they just start like low key telling me about their friend Cindy and her husband and how they hang out together on the boat. And I'm like, okay, you mean fuck, but great. And they're both telling me like. Our friend Cindy has been eyeing your boyfriend since he was 15. And at the time... Do you not remember this part, man? No, I do, but I'm still just... uh, The 15 part I did not remember. I remembered that, but I did not remember that he was fucking underage when... Okay, go on, go on. 15, dude. She came to us and she said that she was interested in in our son and we said well when he turns 18 that's his decision and uh but but don't worry he hasn't taken her up on our offer he is completely devoted to you and i thought yay is that supposed to make me feel good i can hold my boyfriend's attention and he's not opting to fuck some 55 year old friend of his parents am i supposed to be flattered am i supposed to feel like you know my my presence in his life is justified because i'm cute enough that he doesn't want to stray from me with the 55 year old woman who has fucked his dad it was a weird week man and i feel like it was the first real weird fucking week of my life and i've had so many weird fucking weeks ever since then man she told me the mom that i could look at her sexy costume closet and i was stuck there and i just said yeah sure and i walked into that closet and it was the narnia of like fuckdom and i have been stuck in it in a way ever since i was 19 years old it was the first weird fucked up thing that i was stuck doing because i felt like well i'm here i may as well write it out and let the chips fall where they may and then i'll sweep it all up Oh. <sighs> I needed to oh let that God. out. Thank you. No, that's so great. I also remember like a bit of a follow-up for that story, which is when you tried to find his parents on Adult Friend Finder. No, man, my mom did. My mom wouldn't oh, no, let that's it go. Even, that's even better. <laughs> Tell that. Tell that story. <laughs> I mean, in, in retrospect, and it's it's not that I feel like the moral of the story is don't tell your parents anything, but I kind of feel like it would have been better if I had just broken up with my boyfriend and told her like years later that there was a very upsetting conversation where I told my boyfriend, you know, I could never be a swinger, right? And he was like, how do you know? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but time out. I think that the moral of the story is don't tell your son's girlfriend anything. <laughs> you can tell your parents whatever you want, but it should never go the other way. You're go completely on. right about that. But, but <laughs> yeah, I, and you know, I, I opened up to my mom about it and how it made me uncomfortable. And then I told her, you know, and on top of that, my boyfriend's kind of being a dick about it and making me feel, you know, really shitty for not being like, super downed clown with these like fat old swingers <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm over here going i have the rest of my youth ahead of me why am i what why would i do this but yeah my my mother one day you know being the incredible person that she is she, like she she knows i'm like crying upstairs because i'm getting ready to like break up with this boyfriend who i really really like and she comes into my room and she's like will you come downstairs with me? And I just kind of went like, no. Because I just sort of knew that she had done something weird. And she goes, I just want to know if these are your boyfriend's parents. And I'm like, oh God. She like Googled lifestyles and now she's going to make me look at it. Why is she doing this to me? And I came downstairs and it was just like a page that listed all these couples who were registered on the on the fucking fuck website. And 
the very top picture was my boyfriend's parents, and they were just kind of dressed super formally. He was in a suit with a red bow tie, and she was in, like, a red velvety dress, and they were posed like it was a prom picture, and it described their age and what they're both into and what their sexuality was. And But then my mother's like, now I'm going to show you the rest of the pictures that are on this page. These are the people why, that Barbara, they are associating why? with. I don't know! She wanted to make sure that the steadfast decision I had made on my own remained steadfast. And she starts scrolling down. And of course, all the other pictures are just nudity and and sex acts and i was on my on the floor of the then computer room like with my eyes over my face in the fetal position but she was still describing the pictures to me she's like i mean this is just a pair of tits this is look sucking a dick it's just someone sucking a dick. Your mom is like Eugene Levy in the American Pie franchise. I somehow never knew that. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it was a year later. It was it was summer vacation a year later and my older brother was home. And my older brother just opened up the laptop downstairs. And he's quiet for a second. And my older brother is wonderful. He is a man of few words. And he does not get visibly worked up very easily by anything. But he just, he goes... What are all these butts? <laughs> and and everyone goes, what are you talking about? And he's like, what's adultfriendfinder.com? Uh, and I like looked at my mom because I knew exactly what she was doing. And I didn't know why she was still hung up on it. And she just starts laughing. And I like run out of the room crying like, I get it. It's over. Why are you still stalking his parents? Oh, I mean, you hope so that's fun. what she was doing on that website. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. But you don't know. Oh my god, that's that's true too. My parents have an alibi forever. We were researching your college boyfriend's parents. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's that story. Oh my goodness. Mom, I know you're listening. I'm not mad. I hope you're laughing. Oh my god. I'm very I- grateful, Barbara. Thank you for that. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, uh, back to giving, giving, giving. Yeah. That was, that was Thank great. you so much for sharing that, Stephanie. I, I appreciate I appreciate everything about that story. You know what? Kids, if you're listening, the pain of anything can fade with the right amount of years. <laughs> and it can become something you're happy to talk about and share with people yeah. you've never met because you understand that it's funny. There you Whew. go. Yes. That was a great episode of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. <laughs> oh, you know what I I thought was a sort of interesting episode, and it seemed almost like maybe it was a way to address the criticisms hurled at the show from people who saw it as being, you know, mean-spirited and stereotypical and homophobic and misogynistic. But the episode Sofa Man, where Tom enters into a relationship with a guy who owns, like, a, a sofa store and has these little, like, local commercials and he's he's like a really really nasty guy and he says a lot of like really homophobic things and really just mean things about Linda that you you could totally hear Tom also saying but like you know that it's not coming from a place of love and like it's sort of one of those things like in Mean Girls like hey it's only okay when I say that you know what I mean like they have they have a relationship where like he gives as good as he gets but he does have this awesome little moment at the end of the episode where he has this little like tell-off speech where Mm -hmm. he he calls out this guy on his self-hating homophobia and misogyny and I think that that was pretty cool I'd like to play that clip are you married why do you think I'm around here all the time? I can't have you bouncing around on my four-poster bed in the West Wing. She'd hit the roof. God. <laughs> Say anyway, you're, you're gay. What on earth makes you say that? <laughs> I mean, sleeping with me with a pretty big pointer. <laughs> you silly sausage. I'm a straight man who sleeps with men, okay? <laughs> I'll phone the clinic now. Actually, no, don't, don't, don't call the clinic. Um, do you know what I'd really like you to do, actually, is um, stand up, uh, take your mobile phone out, extend the aerial a little bit, and then shove it right up your saggy, arrogant, misogynistic, homophobic ass. <laughs> How dare you assume that I'm like you? How bloody dare you? 
I don't, I don't, I don't hate women. I, I, I don't hate, hate, hate gay people. I don't hate people. And most of all, I don't hate myself. Now get out! Now, I'll come back when you've calmed down. I won't bloody calm down, so don't bother coming back. God, I like the men in my life to be, to be strong, to, to, to stand up for what they believe in. Not to be so far back in the closet they're in fucking Narnia! <laughs> I enjoyed that as well because um, the sofa man is just so grossed out by Linda's very presence. And he says to Tom something like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, but he says something like, isn't there really just nothing worse than a, you know, slovenly, fat, ugly old bird or something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like a premenstrual slag or something a like that. Premenstrual yeah, slag. Yeah. That that might be yeah. a little bit more accurate. But the way, yeah. the way Tom, again, you know, kind of like the, the Linda moment where Linda is hurt by her sister wronging her for the upteenth time, Mm -hmm. the way Tom's face kind of changes when he goes, well, no, actually. You can see, well, no, I I actually really love this woman and I'm offended by what you just said Mm -hmm. and I'm confused because you're my current romantic partner. Um, Yeah, I thought that was a good episode too. And I did love how we got to see um, all of his stupid fake Sofa Man commercials. (laughs) Oh my God, those were were really funny. He yeah. like leaps yeah. up off of it and my sofa's my best friend. <laughs> a really kind of funny sex joke in that one was um the sofa man Rick is over and mm-hmm. they're kind of, you know, getting ready to to get it on. They're kind of seducing each other. And uh, Rick asks Tom if he has a sofa bed because he wants to, quote, pull something out and double its size. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I liked that one. That's some solid innuendo. It requires a bit of creative thinking, and it's not just something you've heard a million times before. That was good. And it was in character, yeah. so, you know, mm-hmm. respect. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. So do we want to do a fuck, Mary kill, and what characters would we do that with? I guess the defining factor is, like, do we want to bother including Suze and Beryl? And Jez and like which one? Um, maybe Jez and Suze come as a set. Oh, I hate that idea. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, because because I feel like separate I can tolerate Jez, but when he's with Suze, I really can't. So then that's your kill. Ooh. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, goodness, who would I marry though? Who would I marry? Yeah, that's tough. If I'm gonna Not kill a lot of marriageable <laughs> I mean, fuck as well. I mean, I've never fucked a gay man, to my knowledge. (laughs) To your dismay, based on the last episode. Yeah, and I don't know if age 32 is the age where I should start doing that, because that just seems so predictable, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Maybe Maybe I fuck Jez and Suze, because they do have an incredible sex life together. It's very adventurous and um, mutually enthusiastic. And maybe that would be the good option. Although maybe Beryl I... is an ex-prostitute. Just saying. <laughs> right. But she also seems like a really fun roommate or wife. That's true. I was thinking if you marry her, you get free lodgings. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of ways this could go. And I also kind of wonder about living with Linda. Part of me sees how that would be so much fun. Another part of me sees how that would get so old so quickly. Yeah. Same with Tom. Yeah. Because they are both terrible roommates. Goodness, goodness, goodness. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I feel like I'm usually I, the one who has a, an answer. And yeah, this I, time I really do not. I don't necessarily, I think that this could go in pretty much any direction. But let me see if I can nail down something, uh, something that I feel strongly about. I'm kind of inclined to marry either Beryl or Tom. Because I think that they're like more low-key and less annoying than the other options. Mm-hmm. Um, Beryl would probably be the most low-key. And also like... She's probably the wealthiest. She's going to die soon. So if I don't like being her partner, it doesn't have to last as long as with the others. That's um, true. And again, like if she's my landlady, then I don't have to pay rent. So that's cool. So maybe I'll marry her. Um, I would either then live with or fuck Tom. Maybe live with. I, I feel like I could have a, a fun gay roommate i wouldn't say anything homophobic and hopefully he wouldn't say anything misogynistic about my appearance so that'd be fine um shit yeah i i kind of want to kill jez and Suze, but you make a good point that they would like i could be a very fun little threesome you know guest star and then never see them again and that's fine and then maybe kill linda as as painful as that is because i don't want to Live with her or marry her or fuck her. Yeah, you know what? I kind of feel like my answer would be the same as yours. Marrying Beryl is a good option. Again, free rent. 
and she's interesting and she's mm-hmm. and she's older and she does seem to have her shit together in a way that mm-hmm. all of the others don't and um, that very young handsome Spanish guy was very much in love with her um, That's true. so so yeah oh, Mary oh, Beryl fuck Jess and Sue's live with Tom and kill Linda I, f- yeah. I feel bad about that, but Tom, failed actor as, as he may be, or less um, successful actor as he may be, he is out there pounding the pavement every day. That's true. Yeah, he and he does have a few successes. I mean, at the beginning of the series when we meet him, the biggest credit on his resume is that he was he had like a bit part or was an extra on EastEnders like six years ago. Yes. And he keeps, you know, referring to these things. But then the way that the series ends is that he gets a, a role on an actual drama and then leaves Linda. <laughs> Can we talk about the finale? It's so strange. Oh yeah. So in the last scene, you know, it's it's revealed that he's leaving and she's, you know, completely distraught and codependent and like, Tom, don't leave me, don't leave me. She pretends to have a terminal illness, but then that's quickly exposed as a lie. And so he, he drives off and she goes to her room all sad and then she takes off her wig, <laughs> which again reminded me of the young ones and how in the finale of the young ones neil goes "Ooh, i never knew i wore a wig (laughs) it's just so funny that that really iconic little bit of i mean it it brings up so many questions like why would you choose for that to be your hair yeah but uh, it's it's great yeah, and but then you hear the theme song that's just kind of played out over Linda sitting in her room by herself, and it's yeah. it's very somber. And Tom gets in his town car that's taken him to where he's going to be living for the next mm-hmm. you know x amount of time. And having learned my lesson after Blackadder, um, go back and listen <laughs> to that episode if you haven't. I, in my anxiousness to get all of those episodes watched on time, absolutely did not bother watching through the end credits of season two. So I did not learn that season two ends with everyone being slain by the <laughs> Hugh Laurie character. And when Kaylee sprung that on me, everybody died. I was like, wait, what the fuck? So I have learned to watch through the end credits every single time. And there is an instance in Gimme 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 where you you see Tom break his leg or you see him in his cast. And so I thought, okay, well, well maybe let's just make sure to watch the end credits because if Tom like comes back and has changed his mind and I missed that that's gonna be pretty crucial but no it ended and I felt I felt really weird and I didn't um I didn't feel sad because I guess I didn't care as much as I have cared about some of the other shows that we watch but it was a really really weird note to end on it in your research do you know if they meant to end it there or if that was meant to be a cliffhanger or what did you did you see anything like that you know I didn't I there wasn't a ton of information available I was hoping for more uh and I this is this is one of our less well-researched episodes I'm sorry but unlike (laughs) with something like Blackadder or Monty Python there isn't like a wealth of material out there on this show no um so, yeah, I don't know, man. It was a weird note to end on, but also, like, something kind of final. Like, to contrast it with uh, with Peep Show, that ends where it's like, oh, they're still living together just like they did at the beginning of the series, and it's like, oh, it's going to continue that way indefinitely. Whereas this is, like, a definite shutting of the door, but, um, but yeah, it's sort of a weirdly ambiguous tonal note to, to end on. Um, there's also, there's a bit of, like, self-aware sort of commentary when she says, like, we had a laugh even if no one else did. Mm-hmm. Clearly a, a reference to the fact that the show was so, so hated by the press. Oh, yeah. Oh, going back to my comparison about extras was that they say over and over again in extras that when the whistle blows regularly gets six million viewers. And that was also like the audience for this show. So it very much between the wig and the glasses and critics hating it, like not a single kind review and uh, and the the exact size of the audience. I thought, oh, that's an interesting. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. that's that's funny. Now, remind me, there's also a reference to Gimme, Gimme, Gimme in um, season three of League of Gentlemen, right? Yes, there is. And I remember the line. uh, So so Tish, who is a very obnoxious, it's probably not okay to say the word fag hag anymore. And I'm sorry, but I don't know what the politically correct equivalent is. So forgive me. But that's what she is. 
fruit fly. Okay, cool. So she's the obnoxious <laughs> fruit fly who's the friend of one of the members of the theater troupe Legs Akimbo. Uh, oh, I'm wearing my Legs Akimbo t-shirt right now. And she says, uh, she's on the phone with her other gay friend because she just has a whole like bevy of gay male friends. And she says, oh, don't be nasty, Scott. Scott says you look like that queer off Gimme Gimme. I love that show. And I remember <laughs> at the time I was thinking like, oh, I've I've seen that show and I, I think that it's funny. Obviously, it's nothing compared to The League of Gentlemen, which is my life. But I remember thinking like, oh, it seems like it, it's sort of like how there's such contempt in extras for the people who like it. They, they, they regularly say like, oh, I'm shouting catchphrases to a load of morons for a living. And I was like, clearly this is not meant to be a flattering comparison for if this if this character is exactly the type of person who loves this show. I'm like, does, does the League of Gentlemen think that I'm stupid for enjoying Gimme, Gimme, Gimme? And I want to state for the record that I didn't enjoy it as much as an adult. I like I recognize that it's not, you know, a great quote unquote, whatever that means, great comedy. But like... It's a fun time. It's a fun distraction. I enjoy watching these people being goofy and loud. And, and yeah. but yeah, that was the other that was the other big cultural reference that we. <laughs> Is that what it was? Okay, case. that's that's funny. And you know, to be to be honest with you, like, I feel that I could watch season one again. I feel that season yeah. one could be a perfect companion to the other show I watch when I'm sick. Grace and Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> Also about two roommates who probably shouldn't be roommates, but make the most of it. I feel like that's like half of sitcoms, though. Oh, my God. Dude, I mean, now I really just kind of do want a girl spinoff with just Hannah and Elijah. I fucking always wanted that. That's all. If the show were only that, if you could get rid of the dead weight that is Marnie Michaels and the others, like, oh, my God. Elijah was always the best part of the show. I also liked Hannah, but like they were best when they were. Oh, my God. There's so much fun. Now, do we have confirmation on whether or not... Linda and Tom have ever actually slept together because I feel like there's more than one episode where they make out or Linda like tries to trick Tom into kind of whacking her off but it's strange don't, I don't I don't think that don't we... they kind of go for it at the end of the millennium special I don't remember that I do remember liking the millennium special for the same reason that I like seeing it when it's just the two of them and I like seeing what sad pathetic losers they are and there's something almost sweet about how like these these two misfits only really have each other in the world like I, I liked that there was something a tiny bit more I don't know if contemplative is the right word but there's just something a little bit like agreeably sad about the millennium special that is absent from most of the other episodes yeah there's there's a line in it that made me like really really nervous and then they kind of fixed it like they they do that more than once with some of the fucked up shit that Linda says mm-hmm. Linda's talking about losing her virginity and she says I only knew I'd done it because me brownie uniform was on back to front and I couldn't find me pants. Which is like, <laughs> yes. that's rapey as fuck. Yep. And then Tom asks, how old were you? And she says 17. And right. that doesn't make it any less rapey, but at least it's not a child molestation joke. True, true. <laughs> yes. It makes it less statutory rapey. So mm-hmm. brownie points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Cindy was not involved. oh you know what no they do snog they snog and my my note says they snog and it gets sexy and they freak out and both need a cigarette but linda says it was crap oh that's what it was yeah yeah, that's what it was not the same thing as going off to shag yeah although there is that episode where she is pretending uh, towards the end of the episode she's pretending to be a gay guy in a bar who's who's hooking up with him and she's like really aggressively hitting on him in this like deep burly bloke's voice and then they rush off together and it's like are they gonna actually go through with this role play or not (laughs) okay that's what I've been thinking. All right, then, well, I'll be the bloke and I'll chat you up. Right, so it's a gay bar, right? Lots of white T-shirts. <laughs> Dancing like that. <laughs> All right, mate. My name's Mick. What's yours? I'm Thomas. Excellent. Did it hurt? What? When you fell from heaven, baby. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, do you work? I'm a builder. <laughs> Make asses. Big ones, small ones, flats, love it. <laughs> I've always wanted to pull a builder. Well, tonight's your lucky night, mate. <laughs> um, have you got anywhere where we could go? Yeah, I'm working on a flat round the corner. I've got the keys in me pocket. Phil. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. 
I don't usually do this, you know. I get quite nervous. You know, you hear such horror stories, don't you? Oh, what's the matter? Don't you trust me? Well, I oughtn't, but I'm tempted. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, baby. I ain't gonna hurt ya. Oh, God. Oh, I feel a little bit tipsy. Oops. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah. Can I feel it? Oh, yeah, of course you can, Mick. Oh, oh. I can't wait to get you back in that flat. Oh, be gentle with me. Uh, gentle? I don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Oh, no, oh, my God! Oh, my God! What am I thinking? Well, I forgot my drink. <laughs> It's so interesting because it's sometimes, especially early on in the series, Linda seems especially keen to fuck Tom, and he's like, he says, like, you will never see my penis. It's like a whole thing. Like, she, he doesn't even want her to help him in the bath when he's broken his leg. He's, like, very protective of his body, and, you know, as is his right. But then there are other times when it seems like he's totally down for messing around with her, and maybe they've done stuff. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird relationship, man, and it's an inconsistently weird relationship. Yeah, that's an interesting sort of joke not just in this show but just the idea that gay men and straight women are like allowed to experiment with each other because it doesn't mean anything yeah and I'm kind of like but it but it would mean something if you fucked your best friend slash roommate whether it was a he or a she or gay or straight or bi or whatever like that would be a really big deal it's not like it doesn't count just because you didn't want to do it again I kind of, I've yeah, kind of always been true. curious about who who came up with, who made this rule? This that seems is like a, a weird really rule. idea. And what's also weird is like, what if it was a lesbian and a straight man? Would anyone be like, oh, that doesn't count because the woman wasn't into it? Uh, the the answer to that question is no. That was that was purely rhetorical. But um, oh my god. Oh my god. But yeah, um, there's also there's a funny line in an early episode where Linda says, "There's no such thing as gay. It's just laziness. laziness. It takes a lot of time to understand a woman's hidden treasures. All right." And like, I think that that's so funny. And no, that's I also love, something I... that um that Jane says in Coupling, where she's talking about how like. You know, there's no such thing as homosexual or heterosexual. It's just people sexual. Like, I'm bisexual, so therefore I can have sex with anybody, even this gay man that I'm attracted to. And it's like, no, that's not, it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Linda has a lot of um, funny lines like that. And so does Tom. She also asks Tom, what's the difference between a bisexual man and a straight man? And mm -hmm. Tom gets to say, in my experience, about six cans of lager. Mm -hmm. And I, I I want to apologize to the bisexuals out there who, who object to that. But, um... Yeah. And to the straight men who've been tricked. <laughs> I've watched a lot of porn about that. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I'm assuming you didn't search for gimme, gimme, gimme porn. Or did you? Oh my god, I hope there's a website called Gimme, Gimme, Gimme Porn. But here's what's interesting is that I did have the thought, while I myself did not search for it, I thought that this might be one of those weird things, kind of like how there is a Drop Dead Fred porn. It might be one of those weird random things that, like, no one asked for, but it exists in the world. Because unlike with something like Peep Show or Father Ted, where the whole thing is, like, the act the specific actors it's so easy to just like put on a red wig and glasses that you could approximate someone even if you're not doing a perfect kathy burke impression like yeah. if someone out there wanted to pretend to be linda and tom having sex they could and it would be an easier shorthand than like casting a look-alike you know what i mean <laughs> no I, I i hear you i mean again i'm starting to feel like rock hard ed is just an anomaly i don't know who the fuck was behind Rock Hard Ed? Because I've just been let down ever since. Like I when know. I searched this niche kind of stuff. But so I I just now did um a search for gimme, mm -hmm. gimme, gimme porn parody. And the closest thing that I'm seeing, it's on X Hamster. It says, well, no, that can't be it. The sexiest collection of parody music strip cheat strip cheese. <laughs> Ooh, I want some strip cheese right now. <laughs> strip cheese. Oh, wait, no, no, no. This is it. <clears throat> it says, watch Gimme, Gimme, Gimme musical compilation. But oh. I don't I don't think that's going to be anything. Is it like I an ABBA soundtrack porno? Let's, let's just see. Mamma mia. Nope, not what I want. Yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't expect it. But it was like... In the same way that, like, oh, you found you had, like, a minor success with Mr. Bean. It just seemed like the kind of thing that's so weird but so visually iconic that it could exist if someone cared enough to put it out in the world. But I guess no one did. 
despite its massive audience of six million viewers. Oh, yeah. Never forget Mr. Bean porn, guys. The porn search that started it all. The Godfather Part 4. Except it's Mr. Bean, and he wants to overthrow the government. Oh, yeah. Hottest porn. Strokes his hard circumcised wiener after 9-11. Never forget. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was another one. I, I'm laughing at that, and I'm like, God, 9-11 isn't funny, but right now it fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bean can Mr. make Bean. anything funny. <laughs> Jacking off. Hi, Rami. Do you still love me? I say such fucked up things in front of you, and you're just staring at me. I'm so <laughs> sorry you weren't given to a more normal woman. I'm so sorry. And you know what? I don't even know how to properly clean you. Do I take you to the dry cleaner? How do you clean a pillow? Baby, I'm so sorry. I've often wondered that. I don't know how you're supposed to launder a pillow or how often, like, you just are like a regular non-celebrity face pillow. Like, how often are you supposed to replace them? I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not good at replacing pillows myself. I, I feel like I wait until... There's absolutely no life left in them whatsoever. No That's matter my how much fluffing I do, Ooh. it's just not going to come up the size I need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting naughty. At the end of the day, I'm actually really glad that we watched this show. It's so of its time, even down to things like references to Oasis mm-hmm. and a tons of references to the Spice Girls and we get to see them sexily dance to spice up your life at at one point and um <laughs> yes. you know it's definitely a nice little nice little time capsule and Linda LaHughes I I salute you man to Style all the icon. Linda LaHughes out there keep on keeping <laughs> on yeah may we all conduct ourselves with the confidence of Linda LaHughes yeah and all the all, all the Toms out there who are aspiring actors stuck in a flat in Kentish Town with Linda LaHughes just Hang keep on keeping on as well because there is a perfect soap role out there for you mm-hmm yeah big break <laughs> is is just around the corner Yes, but but may we all grow up to just be barrel, just be like sexy old dominatrix ladies who own buildings. Why the mm-hmm. fuck not? Hashtag goals. <laughs> um, right. What are we watching next week, Miss Kaylee McMahon? Oh, well, gosh, next week, which is our season finale, we're going to uh. be talking about the unparalleled masterpiece, The Office. I'm so excited. Dude, I'm going to cry. I know. I am going to fucking cry. You're going to cry too. Oh, I cry at the office. Crying at the office is like not even a yearly tradition for me. It's like a quarterly tradition for me. (laughs) I do it fucking all the time, often Uh, in my office. So there's layers. There's layers to it. It hurts so good. I'm, it's kind of my version of emotional cutting is watching the office in my office. (laughs) Okay. You know what? That's better. What? <laughs> then then what? Then actual cutting? Th- well, yeah, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> that but given my fear of sharp things, that was really never going to be a problem. <laughs> God. Okay, so your emotional cutting is watching the office in your office. Try to think of what my emotional cutting is. I see you staring at your pillow off screen. I am staring at my pillow. Periodically, I do Google to see if he and his girlfriend are still together because he really digs her, man. And I'm just like, fuck, of course you had to be like a sweet, nerdy theater kid who's monogamous and loves your girlfriend named Lucy because she would have a cute little name named Lucy and have a cute little Bambi face and like naturally reddish blonde hair and be American even though she's British and she was in Sing Street and was Irish and she's, she, her name is Lucy. Oh shit, that's who he's dating? He is dating her and she's 12 years younger than him because I'm already too old for Rami Malek. You are not too old for Rami Malek. Here's the thing. Your your revenge should be to date a super hot movie star who's 12 years your junior. In the words of the inimitable Beyonce, the best revenge is your paper. I don't know what that means. I think it means I need to make more money than Rami Malek. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good luck to you on that. And on that note, um, (laughs) goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. We'll be fine.